Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today, we've got an awesome story of making somebody steal their own poo. But first, a story from Prince Goody. My brother demands I buy a lot of gifts for my nephews, so I make him regret it. Here's my little revenge against my brother and sister-in-law. I have no children by choice. However, I adore my nephews, 9-year-old female and 6-year-old male. I like to give them things for their birthdays and Christmas, like books or games that I think they may like. Well, last year in November, I got a call from my brother. He told me he thinks I should try harder with the gifts for his kids because I don't have kids of my own and I have a good job, and that he expects to give them lots of things for Christmas, implying that I wouldn't be able to see them again if I didn't. I don't like it at all, and I think what I do with my money is my business. Personally, I think my brother and sister-in-law are jealous because I travel a lot on vacation, but that's no excuse to be picky. After giving it some thought, I decided to make sure he would never ask me for something like that again. I went to the store and told one of the clerks that I wanted the most annoying toys they had. I bought a drum set, two trumpets, a children's keyboard, two guitars, two xylophones, a few sound toys, makeup stuff for little girls, a bracelet making set, glitter. Those are the ones I remember, although there were a few more that dirty a lot. The naive parents were very happy when I told them that I needed help carrying the gifts. They clearly thought I was obeying them and planning to give amazing gifts to my nephews. But that changed when the children began to open the presents. Of course, my nephews were very happy with everything they received and really wanted to start playing. But the best was the face of my brother and sister-in-law, the horror growing with each gift that was opened. It was wonderful. I left a few hours later with a sore head from the noise, but amused because my nephews didn't seem to have any intention of stopping anytime soon. I was reminded of this recently, as my niece is going to be 10 in a few weeks, and my brother's been strongly hinting to me that I don't have to spend a lot on gifts, and that something simple is more than enough. As far as I know, between my visits and those of other relatives, Several toys have been lost or no longer work. I think I'll be nice and just buy my niece a couple of books for her birthday. If you were in this situation and you had plenty of money and your brother demands that you buy his kids lots of really nice presents for Christmas, would you rather buy those kids a bunch of things that would make life more unpleasant for the parents or just send a message by not buying anything at all? Let me know what you would do in the comments down below. Our next story is from Minky Mink. Cut in front of me? This cashier doesn't play. This actually happened today at a home improvement store where red vests are worn. I was in the garden department, in line to check out with my four small plants, when up saunters a Latina lady, heavily made up, holding one plant. It was my turn next, but this woman immediately walks in front of me, cuts me off, turns to me, and says in a heavy accent, can I go first? Not a smile. Didn't look like an emergency. I thought I must be mistaken in what I heard since it was so weird. I barely had anything in my cart. 
Having lived in Mexico as a kid, I speak fluent Spanish, so I said to her in Spanish, Is there something wrong? Did I misunderstand you? Well, why would you want to cut ahead of me? I don't have much. She replied in very broken English, Because I want to go first and I only have one. Then she walks straight up to the Latina cashier, important later, gives her a knowing look and smugly plops her plant on the counter. The cashier ignores the woman, leans past her and says to me, I'm sorry, weren't you next? Surprised, I told her a bit bemused that, yes, I was, but that lady seems to be insistent that she goes first. Continuing, I said, I don't really care that much and I'm not in a hurry, so I guess she can go first. The lady with the plant just ignores me. Not a thank you for letting her cut. Nothing. No grace at all. She just totally ignores me, shoves the plant towards the cashier, and tries to hand her $2. The cashier looks at the $2, scans the plant, then deadpans to the woman. I'm sorry ma'am, that plant is $4. The lady starts to argue, first in English, then in Spanish, that the plant's on sale, it's wilted. It was and that the plant was $2. She won't pay $4, why should she? But the cashier wasn't having it. She stared her straight in the eye and said dryly, Sorry, I don't speak Spanish. The plant is $4. I didn't offer to translate, but by this time, I'm trying not to laugh out loud. The cashier wouldn't budge. Neither would the woman, who finally stomped off angrily, leaving her one plant on the counter. As I rolled up, the cashier had stopped being so dry and controlled. She was steamed. She says to me, You know, I did that on purpose. I hate people like her. The plan really was $4, so nothing I could do about that. But I'm Mexican. I speak fluent Spanish. People like her? I flat out refuse to speak Spanish. I'm not her, bro. I hate people like her. The cashier was royally annoyed. When she finally simmered down, she asked me how I knew Spanish so well, and I told her a bit about my childhood in Mexico. Her family was from a town not too far from where I'd lived. When we finally both stopped chuckling and stopped witching about the rude woman, she scanned my purchases. As it turned out, three of my four plants were magically on sale. Score! Totally worth the wait. You know, all I was waiting for at the very end there was a, and that's how I met your mother. The angry Karen cut in line and complained about the $4 plant and then stormed off. And that's how I met your mother. It would be a romantic story surely passed down for generations. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. This next story is from Rat Salad Bowl, Tinder Vigilante. This happened in Toronto, fall 2019, pre-COVID. I'm female 27, my housemate Kay, also female 27, was perusing Tinder on a Tuesday night. She matched with A, male 30, a 6'6 bearded man, her type. He was enthusiastic, kind, and looking for a serious relationship. No hookups, please. After casual banter, they arranged to meet up the following Sunday for a drink. He suggested that they have a phone call between now and their initial date. He wanted to see if they click. Kay, not one for chatting on the phone, wasn't that eager, but I thought it was romantic and somewhat old-fashioned. Maybe a pre-date phone interview would be a good way to vet any major character flaws before committing to a blind date. Even though I've never done so myself, I optimistically encouraged her. She agreed and he said, Great, I'm really looking forward to it. Smiley face. They scheduled to speak on the following night. 
He was babysitting his nephew and was unable to find the time. Family takes obvious priority, so they rain-checked the Thursday night. She's still reluctant, but he seems sweet and honest. The sort of man who seems to do things by the book. 8pm, she calls him, but he doesn't answer. That's fine. She didn't want to speak to him before their Sunday date anyway. Friday comes around, and Kay is having a bad day. She had some unexpected health issues, something she mentioned to A during the day. It was the evening, and she was waiting for the healthcare hotline to return her call when he messaged her. He said he'd had a few beers and wanted a call now. She politely declined. She wasn't feeling up to it. He responds by calling her a useless runt, followed by, Best of luck, homie. His perceived rejection sent him into an irrational rage. A shifted from gentle giant to barbarian. I'm Australian, so that word is used a lot, and it isn't that shocking on its own. That's not the case in North America and not in this context. However, that aside, Kay said the word useless offended her the most. When she was unable to do what he wanted, he branded her as useless, without function. I wouldn't be surprised if he lurked in certain online forums. You know the ones. The following day, he and I matched, and we hatched a scheme. He started talking to me immediately, and set up a date for that night, Sunday night. He wanted to meet at 7 at a bar close to his house. I suggested 8 because I had stuff I needed to do. It seems 7.30 was the only compromise the barbarian was willing to make. Kay and I bought two bottles of wine and went to the park to watch the sunset over the city. He arrived at the bar and asked me if I wanted to sit inside or on the patio. It was a nice night, so I said, outside would be romantic, smiley face. He's still presenting himself as a gentleman at this point. I told him I was five minutes away, but I'd be there soon. 8pm comes and goes. I haven't arrived yet because I'm drinking wine, feeling smug, and have no intention of going. Kay and I start to feel paranoid that this six foot six man would track us down, but we're in too deep now. He texts me. He's twigged I'm not coming. If you're not coming, just tell me. Nah, I heard you don't respect women. Best of luck, homie. He then told me to go die and called me the C-bomb multiple times. But somehow, I don't think he fully made the connection. What I did was petty, sure, but the revenge is rarely noble. I'm not saying that it was an effective way to teach him manners or basic human decency. In fact, it probably reaffirmed his hatred for women. But my goal wasn't to teach him anything. My goal was to make him feel small, and for a man of his stature, that is quite a feat. Needless to say, they should probably try to avoid anywhere that this guy will ever be. Sounds like a pretty awful person to date. And frankly, if anything, Kay should feel absolutely relieved that they didn't ever have to go on a date with this person, they didn't have to get saddled down with this person. This person, as far as I'm concerned, gave Kay a total free pass to turn them down and run for the hills and smile doing so because yikes. This next story is from Outside River, going to swear at me over something that can't happen until tomorrow anyway? You can wait. Yes, I know this one is really petty and probably against most customer service guidelines. Customer called up as needed a transaction to go abroad. Pass the daily cutoff so it would go to tomorrow in either case. Standard protocol, as it requires additional security and a specialized team, is for the customer to get a call back the same day, 
only if someone is available or the next morning before midday. The charming gentleman came back to the support line an hour later, to which I explained the above as to why he had not received said call. I know my colleague explained it as he was sat opposite me at the time. I then am subjected to a 15 minute rant of various interesting comments about the company and queries about sanity and parentage etc. And then he drops the reason he can't take a call tomorrow. He's playing golf. Yes, if this transaction is that important, surely you can take some time for this. I'd hang up but I know it's going to a lawyer and I'm not mean enough to get someone in legal trouble if I can help it. So I go and speak to said team after he hangs up with that freaking chance you on being wished a good afternoon and suggest that perhaps the best time to call him is about an hour before the cutoff tomorrow. They did. He cursed them out as well. You want my manager to listen to these calls, sir? Certainly. Your wish is my command. This dude was probably right out there on the green having to stand off to the side, phone to the ear, having to deal with this phone call while everybody else is getting their swing on. What kind of surprises me is how much they overshare too. Like why would you ever mention that you're going to go golfing the next day? Is that an attempt at subtly bragging? Like what relevance is that detail? Our next story is from tiered like BOTW, couple disrespects rules in the train, I made them regret. So in the Netherlands, I don't know about other countries for sure, every train has at least one so-called silent car. This is an area in the car reserved for people who want to study or rest. I was one of those people when the next incident happened. The old tourist couple walked in, edit they were German, and you guessed it, started talking and laughing loudly. I figured they probably missed the sign on the windows that said silence and decided to ask them nicely if they could keep the noise down while pointing to the sign on the window, mind you. Of course, they didn't and I only got an angry face from them. They continued to talk loudly and disrupted the other passengers as well. So after half an hour of noise, we arrived at the next station, Svola. This is where I had to leave the train and when I stood up, the old woman suddenly asked, Is this Svola? Since the driver didn't make the usual announcement, apparently it was their destination, I answered her and said, no, this isn't Svola, and left. They stayed. Do you guys think that despite these people coming and being utterly rambunctious for half an hour in the silent car while you're trying to study or read or rest, that it's an incredible jerk move to lie about where the train stopped and let them blow right through their stop? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from Lapkilla. You going to take your 30 minute break at a fuel pump? Well, let's make it longer. This is from my trucking days. In the winter, I would fill up on DEF, diesel exhaust fluid, every time I would get fuel because dispenser would get frozen and won't pump in cold weather. Without DEF, the truck would go into derate mode, basically locking it to a few miles an hour and you'd have to call a certified mechanic to fix the issue, which costs a lot of money and downtime. I pulled up to the fuel pumps behind a truck. Only a couple fuel pumps had DEF pump station on them and were in use. The driver wasn't fueling but could have went inside to activate the pump. Oh well, I can wait. Time to change that turn signal that was burned out on me. I pulled the bulb out and was going inside to get a new one. I looked over in the cab and both drivers are just sitting there having a lunch. Next is the conversation we had. I said, are you guys going to fuel up? They say, we're done. I say, could you move? Cause I've got to get fuel. 
They say we can't for the next 20 minutes because of mandatory break. I say you could have parked in a lot, which was like 100 feet just in front of them. They say we'll move when we move. Now get lost. I seen an oversized truck sitting at the pump next to them and watching me. I walked over and explained to him what was up. He asked if I still had hours on my logbook. Said yes. He asked me if I could guide him. I knew right away what he was thinking. Block those idiots in. So, Oversize, with my help, starts backing up in front of these drivers, who were oblivious to what's going on, until air brakes were set on the Oversize truck. They were pissed and started yelling that they had to go. We said, sorry, but we can't move. You know, that mandatory 30-minute break. They complained to stuff, but nothing came of that. Made some calls, but they didn't result in anything. Me and Oversize Driver had a good hour-long conversation told those two idiots to never park at fuel pumps except for fueling. They left and I got my fuel with DEF. Needless to say, it's already infuriating enough if somebody's taking forever in front of a regular pump, but when you need some specialty stuff like DEF, and there's admittedly going to be limited gas stations that have it and limited pumps at said gas station probably, and some jerk like this is just chilling out eating their sandwich, saying, sorry bub, got 20 minutes still, makes you want to smack him upside the head. Our next story is from Ninjet XOXO. finally at a 4.0 on Google. Are you sure about that? A pretty simple one. I worked for a very toxic job that was run by an extremely corrupt manager. New owners took over and made it extremely apparent they no longer cared for customer satisfaction, and it was all about profit. I quit a few months after they took over. They were at 4 out of 5 stars on Google reviews. When I quit, I left a 1 star review, which shot them back down to 3.9. Every time they shoot back to a 4.0, I'll just make another Google account and send it back down to a 3.9. It's the little victories that count. Would you guys say that they're probably artificially raising that Google review score? I feel like it is absolutely rare to actually have a 4.0 plus on Google reviews. At least from what I've seen, if you have a legitimate crop of reviews being on there. Our next story is from Scherzenzar. Wanna cut the line? Enjoy! So this happened a few years ago. Me and a group of schoolmates were at a theme park and waiting in line for a major ride. I had a bruised ankle so I wasn't walking that fast, and before I knew it, some people had cut in line, splitting our group in two. After asking them a couple of times if they could move back, with them denying it, I made up a plan. The line for this ride was two hours with a half hour in. I let them wait in the line for another hour and when we got to the front of the line, called a security guard over who promptly removed the group. They thought they were so smart cutting the line to save two minutes. Then you suddenly wasted more than an hour. Yeah, needless to say, if you're going to be a filthy line cutter, make sure you don't do it in between a group of people. The last thing you'd want to do in any situation is firmly seat yourself right between two groups of very aligned people that won't be afraid to team up against you. Say it with me, nobody likes a line cutter. This next story is from Amy28011994. Don't want to share the crumble? Enjoy it burned. A few years back, my now ex-girlfriend and I, both 22-ish at the time, lived with our friend in a house share. That night, I had to leave for a band rehearsal not long after dinner, but they wanted to eat the crumble we were supposed to share. 
I was looking forward to the crumble, but I was outvoted. The oven had one of those built-in timers, so as I walked through the kitchen after my shower, I added an extra 20 minutes to the crumble and turned the heat up a little. Was priceless to see them arguing about who burned the crumble as I left. They never knew it was me. It's definitely petty of OP to go and do this, but I get why they would do it. You're supposed to have some and you feel entitled to it, and they basically go at the last second, nah, that's a little inconvenient, or nah, that's no fun and you're not going to be around, so just deal with it. Well, little did they realize they left a very big window open for revenge. Our next story is from Harry Styles once said, Add a letter to my name, add a letter to yours. My name is pretty uncommon. It's not an uncommon spelling. Usually it has an A in it, but my name didn't. Well, everyone always spelled it wrong, but usually fixed it after I corrected them. This one girl would always spell it wrong. Time and time again I would fix her, but eventually she told me she knows a girl who spells it the other way, and she spells it wrong on purpose because it looks better. I started writing her name and adding a wrong letter to it. When I texted her, I would say, hey Kendall, fake name, and she would correct me, it's an A, not an E. Hey Kendall, no, there's no A. K-E-N-D-E-L. This went on for about two and a half years before she started spelling it right. I do this now to everyone who spells it wrong. I definitely feel for OP. There's definitely like a courtesy one or maybe even two time mistake. But if you're corrected once, you already should be able to fix it. And if you're corrected twice, then it's almost like you're willfully choosing to be wrong beyond that point. You would be putting on display your total lack of awareness. This next story is from past ad 9848. X was verbally abusive to me, so I catfished the crap out of him. I was 20 years old when I met my first serious boyfriend. I was young, dumb, and naive, not knowing how toxic he was and continued to be. Anyways, here's my catfish story. My ex was extremely fat phobic and verbally abusive to me, to the point where he would say I'm an ugly fat witch, he's not attracted to me, and he could do so much better. This went on for three months, because I'm a sucker for being downtrodden into dog poop apparently. One day I had had enough of it, so I broke up with him. A few months later, I was scrolling Facebook and came upon his Facebook profile. Me being the petty queen, I made a fake Facebook account of a pretty skinny blonde girl. My friend requested him and we started chatting. I pretended to be this demure, feminine, flirty girl, which I knew he absolutely adored from women. Hook, line, and sinker. He fell in love with her after a week, started telling her all his deepest, darkest secrets, complaining about his life, dropped out of school at grade 7, was working dead-end jobs. I played the supportive, kind, considerate, and submissive girl that he had always wanted. Took me a month, but I started saying we should meet, and wink wink. This definitely got his motor running and he was raring to go to meet this love of his life. I gave him an address for him to meet her, which was 5 hours away from him, and he drove all the way there. He kept messaging and messaging this girl saying, where are you? I'm here. The guy even went to the apartment manager's office and asked if this girl lived there to be told there's no such person. 
I soon deleted the Facebook profile and still relish in him sitting there looking like an idiot waiting for this perfect girl to be swept off her feet. I have no regrets for my pettiness. Is this some serious revenge? Yeah, I think so. Is it something I would deem wholly unhealthy? Yeah, I would say so. I think OP went to some very unhealthy lengths here to really get back at somebody that they probably should have just not wasted the time of day on, but yeah, hey, I mean, that's pretty good revenge. Our next story is from Divided by Zero. You're still handing out your old number after five years? Enjoy your appointments canceled. So I've had my number for five years, maybe six, I don't remember exactly. When I got this number, the previous owner still got regular messages and phone calls, which is completely understandable that she didn't have everyone up to date on her newest number or lack of number. The first three months, it was nothing to me. I'd answer the calls, send them on their way. Well, that was until I got a phone call from an elementary school looking for, let's call her Sarah. Sarah's daughter was throwing up and running a high fever and needed to go home. I told the school that this was a new number for me and there was no Sarah around. I thought certainly this issue would make her come to the realization that she needed to update her number, but no. I had to block the school's number because I continued to get calls and texts that had way too much information about Sarah's daughter, including her name, age, and school events with times and changes in school schedules. I wasn't comfortable receiving that info, so I blocked it. Maybe two or three weeks after I blocked the school, Sarah's grandmother calls me because I assumed the school couldn't get a hold of Sarah. But I have to tell grandma that I'm not Sarah and to please ask her granddaughter to update her information. Sarah still did not. With all of that information that I'd unwillingly had on Sarah, full name, age, where she attends college, her home address, where she works, I found her on Facebook and kindly asked her to not use her old number anymore. I'm not sure if she saw the message or not, but it didn't help my problem. This has been ongoing for years, and it's not just spam, it's people she knows. Coworkers, family, doctors, her real estate agent even. So before, if she had appointments that were asking to be verified via text to my phone, I would just ignore them. But she had an appointment this time, and I'm just so fed up of Sarah still giving out this number after five years of this nonsense that I canceled her appointment for her. A few days later, a new appointment to the same place needed verification, and I canceled it again. And the next one I get will be canceled also. Get your crap together, Sarah. You know, yeah, I agree with OP wholeheartedly throughout this entire story. If you get a new number, and for a while you're getting old calls and texts and whatnot for the previous owner. You get it, you understand it, there's a transition period probably for them. But yeah, if you keep getting these calls five, six years later, I'm gonna assume they didn't have a phone number. And the reason they kept using the same number is because a lot of places you have to use a number. I mean, besides that, I failed to see how Sarah could be that bad about giving the wrong number. And our final story of the day is by Moocher, I made a man steal his own poop. Years ago, I managed a parking garage in the downtown of a large Midwestern city, USA. The area had a large homeless population, as a shelter was nearby. Most of these gents were harmless, gentle folk. Except for one guy. 
He made a habit of relieving himself both number one and number two in areas of the garage strategically placed to annoy staff. Not sure why he targeted us, but he did. We knew when he had pooped because he would parade in front of the garage, maniacally grinning at us afterwards. Seeing that, we'd collectively sigh and go on a poop hunt and clean up the mess. He would follow us to a point, often hanging out by the office or stairway doors, leering at us as we began our search. This garage was 100% machine operated and only gave dollar coins as change for cash transactions. We got our dollar coins from the bank in $1,000 boxes. These boxes have $1,000 printed in large type on them in an almost comical manner. They have to be hidden because they're practically an advertisement for thieves. Why banks think this is a good idea is a mystery. So one day, after nauseatingly picking up his turd, I decided to put it in one of those empty $1,000 boxes. I'd run out of smaller trash bags. Waste not, want not, right? Inspiration struck. I placed the box with its fecal surprise in a seldom used trash can right by the office doors and waited. The next time we saw our prolific pooper grinning proudly at us, we followed our now established routine and filed out of the office to begin our poo hunt. But this time we made a point of walking all slowly by the trash can with the $1,000 poop box easily visible on top, knowing he would follow. We were not disappointed. As he walked by the trash can, he let out a victorious yawp, grabbed the $1,000 poop box, and joyously sprinted out of the garage and down the street. I'd love to say that he never came back, but he did. He was never quite as mean as he was before, though. Maybe we taught him a lesson. Probably not. I just kind of wonder what the mindset is of somebody who goes and does this. Like, what actually is, like, running through their mind when they go and do a stunt like that? Probably not thinking too straight, I would imagine. Just such a weird and interesting character and also, frankly, pretty darn disgusting. I hope they enjoyed their poop box, though. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another revenge story that was even more insane than the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time for some more stories.